been sharing a sermon with you, which I'll tell you the title shortly. It was, uh, it's quite a sermon, it's quite meaty, um, so do be prepared for that. Um, but firstly, as per usual, I'll always be reading from the new King James Version. So if you guys can turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, I'm going to read from verses 1 through to 13. John chapter 15, I'm going to read verses 1 through to 13. If you're there with me, please say I. All right, great. And it goes as follows. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3. You are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Someone say much fruit. But without me, you can do nothing. If anybody does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered, and they are gathered them and thrown them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciple. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandments, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13, greater love has no man than this, has no one than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Amen. This is, um, it's anyone that knows me, I really love the book of John um, for many reasons. Um, John, I just, there's just many reasons. Even when people first come to the faith, I always encourage them, start with John. Just start with the book of John for many reasons. But what I want to start with today is Jesus is telling us that we're branches, <laughs> and he wants to prune us. He tells us about abiding in his love. He tells us about unless we're willing to lay down our life for others. He, he tells us about the importance of bearing much fruit. And when I was looking at this, I found something interesting over the course of the week or so, and that was, it's always interesting how God is always talking about fruit, or pruning, or gardens, or life. And that took me on a mental journey of thinking of my time in Kingston University, where I studied architecture, then I converted to landscape architecture. And for a period of converting to landscape architecture, we designed not only buildings, but things in and around the buildings. And then they were talking about plants and stuff, and I was like, I'm not into gardening, I don't do all this stuff. I'm like, gardening's long. Like just, I'm one of those people, I don't know about you guys, in my garden, I just want to have like concrete, like big s like stones. I don't want to do a garden. What about you guys? Are you guys more... Gardeners like leaves, plants, or you you don't want to you, you don't want to do all of that rubbish, right? Okay, great. So I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And so for me, I was like, no, nah, I'm not really into that. I just want my garden. I don't even if it's synthetic grass. Let it be that. Let it be clean. I ain't got time to call a garden. I just want things nice and simple. And then I started thinking of fruit. And one of the things I started thinking of fruit was which fruit was top tiers. You guys can give a shout, but for me, I think mango is a top tier fruit. 
for me, <laughs> I'm not going to have a debate in here. The body of Christ is not divided. We are one. <laughs> we are one. Another top tier fruit for me was grapes. Mm. Yeah, grapes. Another top tier fruit for me was watermelon. Mm. Mm. Mango, watermelon. And the final top tier fruit for me was pineapple. Ripe pineapple. Not a sour one. The sour one doesn't belong on earth, but ripe pineapple. You know that. Preach that one. That's a good word right there. There's a whole sermon in that. But as I started thinking of this, I'm like, this is things of fruit. Look how excited we've got. Some of us are ready to fight somebody about, no, that's not a top tier fruit. And this is fruit, but fruits are grown in places. And I started thinking of, God, why do you prune us? Why do you use the example that you are the vine that, and your father is the vine dresser and the father prunes us? Why? What, what is it? And I started thinking of people that are really into gardens, which brought me to entitle the sermon, The Gracious Gardener. The gracious gardener. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that as we deep dive into your word, we'll learn so much about you, so much about your heart, your character, what you have for us, and what we need to know about you in order to be better equipped, in order to share the gospel, in order to live our lives abundantly in fullness that pleases you, O God. Father, I pray that you continue to bless every ear, every mind, every heart, present here today in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And in the in the gracious garden I started thinking of why the gracious garden because do we, I believe it's so important to know that we serve a gracious God. We serve a holy God but we serve a gracious God. Like when you think of God's grace you can't exhaust it. When you think you you don't even deserve God's grace, <laughs> there's more of God's grace that abounds for you and we're going to deep dive into that. But within that I want to share five key points about the gracious gardener. Point number 1 God uses the ground. Point number one, G, God uses the ground. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 through to 17. I'm going to probably jump through some of that, but do bear with me. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 through to 17. This is the history of the heavens and, and, of, sorry, and the earth. They were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Verse 5, before any plant, someone say any plant. Any plant of the field was in the earth before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. I'll pause there for a moment. So, there is no herb in the ground. This gardener, our God, our Lord and Savior, there's, there's, there's nothing growing in the ground. He needed something. He, there was no man to till the ground, but we'll go on further. I just want you to take a mental note of that. Verse 5, verse 7, sorry. Verse 6, sorry. But... But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. I love that. Because one of the things I realized as a gardener that you need to make sure that you have is water. I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you guys ever had that experience in primary school where they've given you sunflower seeds. Yeah, I lived in Peckham, second Wakefield Road. <laughs> I'm one of those houses in the council estates that um, some of the houses, they had an open, uh, open balcony. Um, on the way in, so as soon as you come up the staircase, open balcony, so you can look over to see um, the car park and everything. But I was one of those that you go around the corner. You know the corner that you're probably worried about your life in case anyone's around the corner? It was dark. So when they gave me one of those sunflower seeds, and they gave me the soil, and I remember planting that seed. I was like, wow, yeah, sunflowers. And parents go, oh, yes, sunflower. <laughs> so excited. And so many of my, I think I was probably about eight maybe, and so many of my other um, people that was in my class, they came back a few weeks later, like, oh, my days look mine. And I was like, mine hasn't grown. And I didn't understand why. So I was like, mom, mom, what do I need to do? She said, you need water. I was like, all right. So I started putting in water. 
But then when it began to grow, it started doing like the snake. It wasn't growing straight. It was moving a bit awkward. I was like, what's happening here? And mum was like, where did you put it? And I'm like, look, outside our door, which is literally in an enclosed environment, there was no sunlight. It's like, but you put water. I'm like, yeah, I put water. But all I thought I needed was water and I also needed sunlight. But the first thing we're seeing here is the importance of water. What, it tell, what does it say to us? It says, Then a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. We'll come back to that. Verse 8, verse eight The Lord God planted a garden eastward of Eden. in Eden. There he put man whom he formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow, that it was pleasant to the sight and good for food. It was pleasant to the sight and good for food. And how many of us, sometimes we see fruit and it looks good, even if we don't eat it. One thing I love about Instagram, I follow some pages on food and fruits. And it's, I, I don't know if you're about you, we just finished praying and fasting. But when I just see fruit and it just looks nice and ripe, I'm like, this looks good. So there's something about fruit looking good, even in God's eyes. It said it was pleasant to the sight, but it was also good for food. And the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil was there also. This is important, because as I said, the gardener needs to know the ground. But in order to know the ground and have fertile ground and have good ground, you also need to make sure that we have water. We also need to make sure that we have sunlight and all these other things in order for us to be able to cultivate a healthy garden. But why are these things really important? These things are really important because we're discussing foundational things. When it doesn't only do, when it doesn't only attribute to God's nature and God's heart and God's character, but also foundational things that we may need to have. In this year, in this month, in this season, as we as we enter into the month of February, what is your foundation? What are the things that you need in order to flourish? What are the things that you need in order to be equipped to be a more effective believer in the kingdom of God? But one thing that is interesting here, again, is that we see the foundation that God made, but we also see the man that God made. And what did he tell, what did he say? He says further down in verse 16, and the Lord God commanded man saying, every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But every tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. I'll pause there. You shall surely die. Rebellion. But I've always wondered, why, God, why would you therefore put the tree that might cause temptation, that we may eat, that will cause us death? Why would you put that in harm's way, as some people will call it? But I've come to believe and I've come to understand for myself that unless God gives us the opportunity to be free, <laughs> we may just be toys. Why do we need to be free? Because God loves us. And when you're loved, and when somebody loves you, you need to be free. I always say, if you, can you imagine being in a relationship, and then one time you went to a, a dinner date, and then you know, the person that you've been in a relationship with went to the bathroom, and on their phone you could see a screensaver, and it says, oh yeah, by the way, keep saying that you love them. And, and you see a text come through, oh yeah, by the way, don't forget to tell them you love them, I'm going to send you another 100 pounds. You're like, what? And you find out that their parent is sending them money to say that they love you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you saw your partner's phone and they're like, oh, babes, do you love me? Yeah. Why do you love me? Oh, no, I just love you, innit? And then you're like, but I just saw a text that said, I'm going to send you another 100 pounds if you tell them that you love them. Can you imagine if your parent paid your partner to say that they love you just so that you can feel satisfied? Would you feel satisfied? Yes or no, church? Because some of you guys are just looking at me, no? Some of you? 
Some of you guys probably break up that relationship there and then. But don't worry, Relationship Matters is coming next month, so you guys can attend that as well. But the reason why I share this with you is because in order to be loved is to be free. And the reason why I was there because there was an opportunity to choose. And throughout our lives, throughout our seasons, we are going to have to make choices. And wise choices in that instance. Which takes me to point number two. We're seeing the rebellion of man that may choose, or in this case, Adam and Eve, choosing to eat from the tree of good and evil, the tree of knowledge. Which takes me to point number two is that the gracious gardener redeems. The gracious gardener redeems. Why do I say this? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 to 46. Matthew 26, verse 36 to 46. And it goes as follows. Then Jesus came to this place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go there. Um, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took him, he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he, be, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. I'm going to pause there for a moment. The reason why this is interesting is because Jesus is going to pray. Jesus knows what time. It's happening here. And within knowing the time of what's happening here, we're seeing further down, 38. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. I was like, wow, Jesus really, really, it, it showed in the hypostatic union, what I mean by that being fully man and fully God, he showed his human state. He showed his human state that this is a lot. Th this is painful. But many of us sometimes forget why Jesus had to go through this and why Jesus chose to go through this. Further down, what does it say? Verse 41, it says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed saying, oh father, if this cup can pass away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. Verse 43, and he came and found them asleep again and their eyes were heavy. The very people that you call your codies, the very people that you told to be by your side, the very people that you called to say, you know what, I, wa I want us to really go through this in life. Sometimes they may not be there for you. And not necessarily because they don't want to. Sometimes it might not be their calling. They might not be prepared. They might need more training. And we need to be people that we shouldn't always water something if it's not desired to be watered upon. What do I mean by that? Some of us are still trying to water relationships where God says that season is over. Some of us are still trying to water things where God says, you know what, let me do that for the moment, but don't stop praying for them. Please understand, I didn't say don't stop loving them. But sometimes we're loving people from up close and we've taken our eyes off the very thing that God has called us to do in a particular season. And we also need to be aware that Jesus did something significant that I love. He went away, it says, he went away a second time. What did it say in verse 44? So he left them and went away again. Notice the time he went away again, he didn't actually rebuke them. He didn't wake them up. He's like, Steve, just left them. And that's probably a reminder to us. Not every day complain. Not every day come and say, guys, you're meant to be doing it sometimes. All right, you know what? I've said it once. I might have said it twice. Let me just go about my business and focus on what God has called me to do. It says, then he left them and went away again and prayed a third time. But what happens? Saying the same words. Saying the same words. I want to encourage us that, yes, we've sometimes heard the quote that insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. But let me remind you that when God tells you to do something and you need to do it again, guess what? Do it again. Jesus went away and said the same words. 
said the same words. And I think that is truly important for us to remember that the very thing that you've been praying for, the very thing you've been holding on to, the very thing the Holy Spirit's been convicting you for, the very thing you want to be delivered from, you're like, I've been saying that prayer again. I'm tired. Do not be weary in doing good. Hold on to that because the gracious gardener redeems. Point number three, the gracious gardener is a person of authority. The gracious gardener is a person of authority. What am I bringing here for you? In the gracious gardener being a person of authority, where we saw in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26 through to 28, we've seen something interesting. It says, God says, let us make man in our own image. The first thing we see there is that when God created the creatures, he didn't make them in his image. He created them. But us, uniquely, we are formed in God's image. Let us make man in God's image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps here on earth. One thing I love about the gracious gardener is that he wants us to mimic him. He wants us to mimic him in a way that we don't mimic in order to be pried and puffed up, but to mimic in a way that we can cultivate, care for, protect, and also advance his kingdom. Why? Because we mirror him. We mirror the true and living God. We mirror him in order to be people of purpose, to be people of principle, to be people that share God's peace with a broken and lost world. What do we see here in verse 28? Further down, it says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. Have dominion. That's authority. To have dominion means you need to have authority. To have dominion means that God has placed something in your hands and you need to be a good steward of the very thing that he's placed in your hand. And at times, in a particular season of your life, the authority you have seems weak, seems feeble. And it seems that nobody acknowledges it. But please always remember that God sees it. Please always remember that God knows what is placed in your hand. And the same gracious gardener that is a God of authority that takes up his life and lays it down is the same God of authority that has called you to be a good steward and to also take dominion over the very things that he's placed in your life. Because when we have authority, we need to understand that we're speaking about God pruning. We're speaking about God harvesting. We're speaking about God redeeming. We're speaking about God using the good ground. But we also need to be aware in authority. One thing about all of these things is that God in himself, God in himself wants us to understand that true authority is what you can lay down. One of my quotes that I've always loved to say is that anything you cannot give away is ever truly yours. Anything you cannot give away is ever, ever truly yours. Anyone that has children here know that one of the greatest one of the greatest joys of a parent is to make sure you pour everything you know and everything that you have into your children so that they can be better than you. Amen? Why? Because we want them to advance. We want them to grow. We want them to know that everything that we've learned that we might have maybe even missed in our season, we want to make sure that you do not miss that season in and of itself. Amos chapter 9 verse 14. Amos chapter 9 verse 14 says, I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and, in, and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall make gardens and eat fruit from them. Authority. I will bring the captives. For some of us in our lives, we may feel 
don't see me feel that, but I feel trapped. I feel like I feel handcuffed. I feel like I've been trying to make things happen and nothing is moving. I truly believe in this season or these seasons to come, God is also going to break you from being a captive in that place. I truly believe that God has called you to something great that you can truly live out. And why does it say that? It says there, you shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. What am I saying? There are things that the world sees and they call it waste. And God says, I want you to inhabit that place. The things that the world sees, oh, that's rubbish. And God says, I'm about to redeem that very thing. I want you to inhabit that place. I want you to plant vineyards and drink the wine from them. I want you to make gardens and eat of its fruit in them. What are we going to do in these seasons? And point number four, Christ cultivates and prunes. Christ cultivates and prunes. First, in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7 through to 11, it says, Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Someone should say amen to that. Instead of your shame, you should have double honor. For some of us, 2021 might have been shameful in certain instances. And it still sits and lingers in the back of our mind. And all we are asking is that God just remove it. God's like, huh, you're thinking far too small, my dear child. Instead of your shame, I want to give you double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth. I will make with them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles, their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them. That they are the they are the posterity of whom the Lord has blessed. Verse ten. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. The question I have for you today is this: When God is pruning you and you're feeling pain, are you holding on to His purpose? Or are you remembering the rain? When God is pruning you and you feel pain, are you holding on to purpose? Or are you remembering the rain? What do I mean by that? Sometimes the rain that you're feeling is God watering something to blossom from it. The season that you're in, which feels damp and problematic, maybe God is actually cultivating something in it. I put it this way. For some of us, we're like, God, I'm going for a storm. Maybe the storm is there to protect you from where you're about to go, which, way, which may destroy you. And some other storms, maybe the storm is there to move you outside of a place that you've proved to be comfortable in. And God said, enough is enough, and you're not listening to my words. So I'm going to raise up a storm in order for you to move. Either way, one thing I say, always hold on to God's hand in the storm. Trust God in the storm. Believe in God in the storm. Let me keep reading this scripture. And it says in verse 10 further down, For he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, as the bride adorns herself with jewels. Verse 11, For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes things that are sown that are sown in it to spring forth. So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. What if the gracious garden that, that is pruning you is doing so, that not only you become blessed, but those in and around you become blessed? What if the gracious garden or the time that might be challenging at work, where people are, where people are just cussing their managers, cussing the system, cussing work, but they're like, why do you see, always seem to be at peace? 
Maybe because that's maybe the only scripture they may read in that season in their life. But because you chose to have the right heart posture in the season that you're in, others in and around you will continue to worship him. Others in and around you will continue to acknowledge him. The Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. Before all nations. <laughs> Jeremiah 29.5, it says, Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. We truly serve <laughs> a gracious gardener. God uses the garden in many ways as examples for us to understand how to live out our Christian lives. And that also now takes me to point number five. Point number five, which is E, everlasting life. Everlasting life. You see, when, when it comes to planting seeds and stuff, I don't know about you, I'll never forget one time I bought flowers home for my mum and um, um, I don't know if it was Mother's Day or something many years ago and my stepdad wasn't too pleased <laughs> he saw I was like these flowers are going to die in some time like, why are you buying it it's a waste of money it's like yeah thanks man thanks for the encouragement man yeah, I appreciate that sir and um, I bring this up because as much as it was brutal it was true to some degree people say it's the sentiment the meaning behind it yeah very true but why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because even the most beautiful of plants, the most beautiful of fruits, are still going to wither away and die. But the gracious gardener wants to make sure that we find eternal life. He prunes us that we can bear more fruit. He holds us because he wants to make sure that we have a mindset that heaven becomes our home. And we see in Luke chapter 13, verse 18 to 19, it says, Then he said, What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall it be compared? And what and to what shall I compare it? Verse 19. It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and put in whose garden? His garden. In this case, your garden. You put in his garden. It grew and it became a large tree and the birds of the air nested in its branches. I'm smiling because God has a very, very interesting way of making me laugh. Because as I began to look at this and thought of everlasting life and eternity, I also began to see legacy. He planted it in his garden. Is your garden your mindset? Is it your heart set? Is it your purpose? Is it your character? Is it your habits? Your garden? He planted it and it grew and it became a large tree. A mustard seed became a large tree and the birds of the air nested in its branches. <laughs> the birds of the air nested in its branches. I'm still laughing because until we become comfortable with knowing that some of the seeds we may sow, we may not enjoy the fruit of its labor. But if we're doing it from a heart of love, guess what? The generation that comes after us, the children that we raise, our nieces and our nephews, may be like the birds that nest in such a tree. The gracious gardener wants us to have an eternal mindset, to think bigger than what we have and what we know, because we're unfortunately, we live in a generation that is here and now. They may plant that seed, and when they plant that seed, <laughs> if it doesn't grow in their time, they give up. They give up. And if any of you guys were following, 
you would realize on the five points I gave you was something that was similar to something that I hold on to daily in Romans chapter 5 verse 20. And Romans chapter 5 verse 20 is something that God really, 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 really held me when I was always wrestling in my mind when I was wrestling with my faith because I always used to battle when I first got saved. I always used to battle all the things I've done in the past. And as I said, if you look back when you're driving, you're going you're gonna to get into a car accident. And God always had to remind me. <laughs> Moreover, the law entered that offense may abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. Where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. He's a gracious gardener. There is more grace <laughs> than there is your sin. There is more provision than there is your past pain. There is more of God's love than there is the amount of times your mind might have lost it. Please understand this, and I've said this in previous sermons. If you feel like a disgrace <laughs> after God has offered you grace, you may, be you may be dissing God's grace. And what am I saying? Sometimes God has forgiven us when we're still thinking about what we've done in our past. So why are you still holding on to that? Why are you still holding on to that? Why are you still in that headspace? Let that go. Let go of that because it's doing you no good. And maybe that's why God prunes us. Because I'll never forget. I remember he's telling my friends, oh, bro, you got some grace. No, man, pull that. Like, no, don't pull it. And why do they say don't pull it? If you pull one, <laughs> two might come. <laughs> you pull those two, you're going to multiply that. And we begin to see that. We understand that. In it, but maybe that's the same reason why God prunes us. Because if you notice, it didn't say the areas where we are dead, he prunes. Is where there was growth. Which means you might find growth in your life and then you feel a setback. You're like, why do I feel like a setback has come? Because God is about to prune you so your mindset, your character, your heart, and your posture could be aligned for the new capacity of growth he's about to put you in. Because as you grow higher, guess what? Many people are going mis to misunderstand who God has called you to be. And if you spend all your time trying to dialogue with people what God has called you to be, you may be taking your eyes off the very journey that he's called you to walk on. I'll leave with you with this. Two particular scriptures. Have you ever wondered why was it the Garden of Gethsemane? The Bible leaves clues. In the Garden of Gethsemane, something was really, really interesting that I really, really found quite profound. I found that the Garden of Gethsemane was what, what people would define of, how would I, how would I call this? It was where <laughs> people will find like olive bushes and stuff. Like, okay, interesting. Olive bushes, cool. Anyone here use olive oil? Guys use olive oil, interesting. Cool. Me too. But then, in order for you guys to get olive oil, what do you need to do? It's not a true question. Huh? You have to crush it. You have to crush it. To make olive oil, you have to crush it. <laughs> Jesus went into the very garden which reflected what was about to happen to him. We see in Isaiah, please the Lord to crush him. <laughs> and God really awoken me with that because if you see the five points, you would understand that the first one, ground and God, redeems us, that the people <laughs> he is called to save by his authority, he would redeem through Christ Jesus in order that we may have everlasting life. Isaiah 58, verse 6 to 12, tells us this. I told myself I'm going to read part of it, 
But I truly encourage you guys to read all of it in your spare time. It says, is this not the fast that I have, I have chosen? For many of us, if not all of us, we just finished praying and fasting. To loose the bonds of the wicked. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. And that you may break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? That you may bring to your house the poor who are cast out? Bring to your house. Not only the church, your house. The poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you may cover them and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Verse 8. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as noonday. Verse 11, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. And here's where it gets even more interesting. You shall be like a watered garden. Like, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Do you know why our waters will not fail? If we abide in the living water. Those from whom among you shall build the old waste places. You shall rise up the, from the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. I want to encourage us all. For a moment, take your eyes off yourself. We're setting goals of what we want to achieve and what we do. Take your eyes off yourself. And look around what's happening in the world right now. And ask yourself, where has the gracious gardener pruned me for me to be purposeful in? Where has the gracious gardener pruned me for me to be effective in? So I can change the world. Because guess what? On that day in eternity... <laughs> it's not well done and good and faithful pastor it's not well done good and faithful mother or husband businessman or businesswoman it is well done good and faithful so where are you serving where are you serving where are you serving because at the end of the day it's where we served is what counts because the man, son of man didn't come to be served but he came to serve a gardener comes to serve to prune and at times we need if, if the plants could speak what are you doing I thought let go of me ah, that hurts leave me alone and guess what that's what we do that's what we do but God still pursues us to prune us so that we become more purposeful and in final in closing I leave you with this quote by Max Lucado I really love this quote Max Lucado put it this way the Bible is the story of two gardens Eden and Gethsemane. In the first, Adam took a fall. In the second, Jesus took a stand. In the first, God saw Adam. In the second, Jesus sought God. In Eden, Adam hid from God. In Gethsemane, Jesus emerged from the tomb. In Eden, 
Satan led Adam to the tree that led to his death. From Gethsemane, Jesus sent to the tree that led to our life. The gracious gardener. We serve a gracious gardener. And as long as we remember we serve a gracious gardener, we will always be purposeful. We will always be powerful. Because just like a garden, we need sunlight and we have the sun. Just like a garden, we need water and he gives us living water. And just like a gardener, we need soil and God created us from the ground and he breathed life into that ground. And Jesus come to give us life and life more eternally. In Jesus' name, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for those online and those here present. And Lord God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. <laughs> May we remember that you are a gracious God now. God, you don't need to shout. You whisper your truth and your whisper is enough for our soul. Father, Lord God, I just pray that you just continue to water our garden. Shine your light into our garden. And may our good works bring glory to you in heaven. That the world may see it. And the world may know the greatest author, the greatest gardener, the greatest cultivator. <laughs> and the greatest, if not the only true creator. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And as every head is still bowed. And in every eye.